You're listening to Women's Cricket Chat with Hannah and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast, we've got the German women's cricket captain, Anurada Dodabolopor. Now, Anurada's certainly got her hands full being captain of the German cricket team, but when she's not playing cricket, she's a cardiovascular research scientist and the women's development officer for Frankfurt Cricket. Not only that, she's an ECB level two coach. Where does she find the time to do all this? Hannah and I sat down with Anurada to talk all things cricket and postdoctoral career and just to have a general chit chat about cricket in Germany. But our first question is, can you just introduce yourself and tell our listeners about cricket in Germany? Where do I start? Well, we'll just we'll just go with my name. So Anu Radha Dotbalapur, a long one, mouthful, but Anu for short will do. <laughs> I've been in Germany now for, I think, about 10 years now. I moved here for my academics mainly, but I've been involved with cricket I think, since 2012 or 2013. It's been a very interesting journey and it's a great time to be involved in uh, women's cricket as well. Uh, I think we've had a lot of uh, interesting projects come through, uh, loads of players coming through the programs, whether at the club level or national team. And yeah, it's a great bunch of people to play with more than anything. And I guess, you know, as long as you enjoy playing, have a good teammates, good support staff around, it just makes the whole process enjoyable. Uh, as much as uh, having to dedicate a fair bit of time as a full-time professional, but playing cricket alongside. Yeah, so that's, that's me, just in short. And how did you first get involved with cricket? Growing up in India, so I'm from a city called Bangalore, which is in the south of India. And, you know, everybody in India is cricket crazy. Uh, You can't escape that whether you like it or not. But I think a lot of people in the family, so my, my dad, my brother... Uh, also my grand grandpa really radio cricket was on the radio all the time there's a lot of cricket to watch on tv although mostly men's cricket then and with your neighbors and friends you always played on the streets or in the backyard so you took to the game quite quickly but it was only so i must have been i don't know six or seven i, I can't even remember but you know, it's when you pick up a bat or a ball maybe even something makeshift not even a proper bat or ball i don't know but i only got into organized cricket maybe when i was 12 or 13 through a friend in school who used to play for the state side at that point and this was seventh grade I remember this very clearly and I just you know kind of went along with her for a couple of trainings and loved it and it's been 20 something years now. Was cricket something that you always wanted to do career-wise? I think starting on maybe in the early years it was just you know the sport kind of went on alongside school activities and the curriculum and all of that maybe like 10th grade or 12th grade when you sort of make that decision to pursue a certain line of academic career or so it's, it's been so long honestly I, I don't think at that point it was really an option to pick up cricket as a professional career I'm glad things have changed now so it, it was never really to to only focus on that I guess I always loved science as much so I'm trying to keep bit of a balance between the two even now so I'm really grateful for all those opportunities and you know kind of having that support at home and otherwise with friends and teammates to carry on both alongside I think it's never been to choose one over the other it's a bit mad looking back how how things have happened I would you know a few years earlier I would have never thought I'd land up in Germany whether it was for the PhD itself or ended up playing cricket for the national team and leading it. It's just so bizarre. You just touched on 
the fact that you moved to Germany. Did you ever have any aspirations to play cricket for India or was it just something that came about? Good question. I had to go back in time and ask maybe a 16 or 18 year old self. I might have aspired to play then, but so I played the ranks of, let's say, junior cricket. So we had under 16 and under 19 set up, then also the, the senior state side or like the county set up that you have and kind of made it also to the regional level. But I don't know if I was close to getting picked for, a, let's say, an extended side or a A India A camp or so. I don't know, hard to say. I probably left around the time when that transition would have happened, perhaps. I and mean, I, I was mainly an opening medium pacer for. For my state side, so never really a batter in that time. But I would like to believe I had the prospect of making maybe another level higher. But it was, yeah, I guess the time I chose to get a bit more into my engineering degree and then further on move. And you just touched on your degree there. So I think it's probably best that we talk about that early on so people know how you've managed to kind of balance doing a PhD, playing cricket. And now obviously you're in your postdoc career as well. So tell us about all of that. It is tough. I don't think I would, you know, glamorize it saying, oh, everybody can do it and it's it's easy. Not at all. I mean, there are days when you, 24 hours is not enough because you want to stuff in so much in terms of work and also make a bit of time for whether it's fitness or just training every, as often as you can really. You realize that if you're passionate about things, you'll always make time for it. It also means the few other interests kind of take backseat. It's been the case over maybe the last few years, but I enjoy both of them just as much. So yeah, I think time's always a factor, but you learn to prioritize uh, one over the other. And sometimes, you know, that work can't really take backseat because, you know, you're, you're there for a reason and it's ongoing and it's pretty, it's a demanding career as well. It's not just a nine to five job as such not undermining any other profession, but in, in general, it's just, uh, yeah, quite, quite exhausting. But, you know, so is cricket. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I don't know, I don't have a straightforward answer to this, but it's uh, it's been a tough, tough balance and it's more about managing time and setting your priorities at whatever that phase it may be. Sometimes it's, you know, more time for cricket and you can just ease out a little bit with your work schedule. Sometimes it's, you know, hardcore deadlines that you have to meet and cricket takes a backseat. Yeah, it's a bit of a way journey yeah because I said postdoc then but I didn't actually say what it was so you are a cardiovascular research scientist so not many cricketers can say that Ah, yes, that's true. So so my background was biotechnology. I did my bachelor's in that and then a master's in genetics, medical genetics. I was in the UK for that. So I studied at uh, Newcastle Uni for, for a year. I worked a couple of years after that. And then, I don't know, it just didn't seem so challenging. So I, I kind of put myself through doing a PhD, which is probably one of the harder things, but very happy with that decision. So so the PhD was, in, was more getting into cardiovascular uh, biology and genetics. And it's very exciting, you know, getting to lab every day, asking you questions, coming up with how do you solve those? How do you address things? It's just super exciting. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Bringing it back to your time in England and at Newcastle, I read that you played for, was it Northumberland? So could you explain to our listeners what it was like and how it's differed from your time in India? A fair bit, actually. So I think I played 
So my course in in uni was just for one year, and I had the chance to to play a few games for Newcastle Uni. And I think it was during that time that some of the coaches from the county side picked up and said, "Hey, you know, we've got some trials coming up." And that's how I kind of got introduced to the the county unit. I mean, to be honest, I don't even remember what division or league we used to play. It wasn't. the highest that that I'm aware but not yeah no I can't give you a precise answer but it wasn't that much cricket i think back in india it was maybe the number of people and how competitive it was you know i i remember days where if we had a tournament coming up next month or so every morning 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. and then school or uni and then again back evening another 2 3 hours and then you got home so days were super long but i don't think i trained that long or that hard back in Newcastle but I guess our fixtures were also you didn't have to travel two days in a train to to get across uh, I don't know to Shropshire or to Leicester I think having done those kind of journeys back in India on a train with you know another 15 bunch of um, mad people uh, I think the experience was very different the the quality of cricket as well as just the the atmosphere and I mean I think now looking back I think the ways of how you know the team culture was the the coaching and the facilities all of that changed a fair bit and again it's very different to what i see here in germany but you always remember the nice a bit so i have like very fond memories of you know playing for the county side this is the senior county side i remember i think two seasons or so and some of those teammates we are still on you know in touch on social media so there've also been a couple of occasions where we've traveled as the german side back to maybe for like a five six day tour to to northeast england and i've actually played against some of my former teammates and it is so funny i think the sledging is just hilarious because you kind of know each other but you're on on opposite teams now so it's a crazy journey it, it's been super nice so i mean I, i really enjoyed those 2 3 years and i guess that was the time i got to work a little bit more on my batting perhaps because as i mentioned previously it was just your role in the team as a as an opener as a medium pacer so i probably picked up a little bit more on my batting skills and i'm very grateful for that Tell us a little bit more about that sledging as well. What was being said? Oh, I don't know if I remember the details so well, but it's just you know remembering those days or some some weird incident that happened or somebody being late or just saying oh you know we know how to bowl to you or come on give us that catch. It's just some some really simple stuff, but the fact that it's coming from somebody you know and it kind of meant a bit more in in jest really. So I wish I could remember a bit more. I've got like the worst memory if you ask me about scores from two weekends ago. I I don't know. I can't. I can't recall. I'm just really poor in them. Well, hopefully you enjoy it in the moment instead. But as well as obviously your research career, you're like captaining the cricket team for Germany. You're also a level two coach and a development officer for Frankfurt Cricket. So madness of how do you manage all of that? But tell us a little bit more about the development officer role as well. Yeah, so that kind of I guess I got into it a bit more seriously 2015, I remember. Because when when I moved here, I think for the first year, I honestly didn't really look into so much of cricket because just coming to a new country, not knowing the language and, you know, taking on a new course and just to settle in, I probably took a few few months or so. It was only about a year later that I looked up cricket clubs in the city and also in Germany for that matter on a national team perspective. So the closest club for me was Frankfurt Cricket Club. I think it's been around since the 70s but 
mainly men's teams. So I wrote to the president then and said, hey, you know, I've played a bit of cricket earlier. I'd like to get involved. And he said, oh, we don't have many women's teams. No worries. I play with the boys. Not an issue. I've done that before. So I did play with the guys, I think, two, two league seasons or so. And the closest women's team was the one in Cologne, like two hours away or even lesser. So I occasionally played some um, league games with them, which is maybe three, four times in the year. But locally, it was just with the guys. And after a year or two, I said, hey, come on, it's it's worth to to start a unit. And, you know, until then, it was a lot more of your time going in just to play and kind of develop your own skills as a, as a player. I don't think I really thought of starting a team or recruiting people and all of that. But I guess that was more like a project taken up uh, to, to develop and increase the number of players. So since 2015, um, I've been involved in that role. So founded the team. Starting from, I think it was only two of us in the city who, who played a little bit of cricket and then really putting out pamphlets in universities and just really bringing friends and come on, you know, give it a go. It's a cool game and you really have to break things down to keep it as simple and not scare them away with all the laws and rules and things like that. So I've really had a very different perspective to cricket than what I grew up with, like a proper structure, having so many hours of training, having coaches available all the time. So so that was a bit of a different way to go about it. And uh, that's gone on. And I think we're now at, over the last five, six years, we've had about 60, 70 odd girls who've come through the, the club, have contacted us, have played some cricket with us. And we are uh, actually number two in the league so we were runners up in the Bundesliga two years ago which is really nice to see and there, there's so many girls who also some of them kind of had to move away to different cities or you know go back to wherever they were probably just in a transition phase in Germany so and you know the things people have had to say saying oh you know thanks for introducing the game to us that I never imagined and we've got like girls from eight or nine nationalities in the team some who've never heard of cricket back in Italy or in know, Taiwan or Portugal or so so it's it's a great bunch of people to coach as well as kind of get together and create more opportunities for them to to learn cricket and to play games so I really enjoy that it's it's a handful really it's a, it's a fair bit of work but I also think to be able to have a say in you know how we go about women's cricket development in the clubs. I'm also on the board as a women's officer. So making sure we've got enough allocated hours or days for girls and it's not that Oh, you know, we'll give you the pitch only if the men's league fixtures are done. And that's not the case. I think we've really gotten away from that to saying, hey, we want this and this for the women. And, you know, we're doing just as well. And, you know, all all the equality and opportunities that we all talk about, I think sometimes you've got to really push for it. So I'm, I'm glad that we're going in the positive direction. So yeah, that's that's what I do as a development officer, uh, really recruiting players, organizing. I think we've grown as a group now that I don't have to do every task. I think there's a bit of delegation that goes on and it also keeps the players a bit more engaged when they have a few tasks for the team and kind of have a sense of ownership for what progress the team sees as well. So I've kind of learned how to manage people a little bit more. Yeah, so, so that's the development officer role. Coaching, Again, started with the same. I think starting a new team, you had to kind of bring all the experience that you've had and learned as a player and as a senior player also in the national team. So that was cool. And over time, I kind of did the level one, level two. And in fact, just uh, since last week, I am on the level three cohort, which is apparently it's the first time in seven years that they've opened this out to European coaches, which is amazing. So we're two of us from Germany who are on this course and we'll probably be the two level three coaches by the end of the year a lot more work to do and i'm super excited i think there's uh, loads of opportunities and you know good good future for aspiring cricketers in, in germany
In regards to setting up the Frankfurt women's team, what decisions went into creating the team and did you face any challenges? That is a good question. I think it was really starting from scratch because as I mentioned, so, so apart from me, there was another player who used to play, play for another club team like in the central part of Germany and she had moved to Frankfurt for her studies as well. So I was so glad I just had another like partner really. <laughs> and I have to admit that having played with the Cologne girls for a while and having been part of the national setup for two or three years, I think it, it helped me to gain a bit more understanding standing of how other teams work as well and you know what is required to get a get a group together how do you how do you recruit how do you make your trainings engaging and fun and I think more than recruiting new players because we're talking about absolute beginners who have no idea about cricket how do you keep your first couple of sessions really exciting that they come back and how do you retain these players maybe over a season over the whole year and making sure they have not just you know training every every week but to probably organize more friendly games or whether it's softball hardball and so you know the more you play games the the better you understand the game and you learn and also doing scoring courses umpiring courses just within our unit as well not necessarily like a qualification or certification so really had to cover all bases that you can think of you know previously just as a player i don't think i really gave all of these so much thought but having taken that role as a you know kind of to build a new team and to coach all of that i think there's so many new things i i learned along the way as well and challenges i think a, a fair bit because as i mentioned we were starting a women's team in a in a club which was predominantly male cricketers i mean they, they were welcoming no doubt about that but sometimes you do have to kind of break a few you know prejudices that oh, oh it's girls playing cricket already like how do you do this how do you do this like hey come on <laughs> that's lame so you do have to challenge a few few thoughts and opinions that people have and you know the more often than not there are guys who just come down and say oh maybe you should do this or that and you're like hey i, you know, I do take those opinions but it's just a, this patronizing attitude and behavior you see it everywhere you know it doesn't go unnoticed really but i guess it's yeah it was a bit of a change i guess at the club as well but you know, we've, we've grown from that I'm, I'm happy but otherwise yeah it's really the the sport is not as popular as football or basketball or hockey in Germany so to advertise and promote the sport within the city with you know various communities and we, we still struck struggle a little bit in getting school kids involved uh, because it's not like a part of school PE curriculum or so. So you do have to go and do maybe some introduction sessions at the school and then bring them on to the clubs. But, you know, if you have a full-time job, you you can't really uh, put your foot into 20 different places at the same time. So that's something we, we struggle. But it's a lot of students and professionals who are part of the team. So kind of getting around that message that, oh, we've got a new sport and you know, try it out. That was a bit hard, but you kind of learned what really works and how do you tap into kind of different communities to get these people and uh, making time for it. I guess for me, for me personally, the biggest challenge, in fact, in the, like over the last four or five years is you give so much time to organizing all of this. There's a lot of back end work that goes on. And when you're there running a session, you are coaching. So for me as a player, I, I think I really get much out of that session so if you're doing two sessions in the week you're just coaching but you're also an active player and you're the captain of a national side and you want to perform and kind of lead by example so I think that's taken a little bit of a hit so for me that's challenging to be able to get enough training for myself when we're doing these club sessions as opposed to just 
kind of running them and focusing on on the development of the player. So that's yeah, that's something I'm constantly learning to to manage. So that's probably what I can put another challenge that's been there for a while. <laughs> So impressed with that. I'm struggling to understand how you've got any time to do anything because that's a lot of dedication and a lot of hours that you're putting in to grow the game in Germany. I don't look at it as pressure, really. I mean, it is, it, as I said, you know, it's, it's a lot of uh, to do, but I guess for me, you know, having played cricket for 20 odd years and all that experience back in India playing as well as in England, also now having been involved in Germany for so long, like I feel I've gotten so much out of the game. So it's also like a time where you feel like, oh, let's see you know, how you can contribute to, to grow the game, develop the game. It doesn't matter. I mean, if, if you put me in Antarctica, I'll still find a way to play a bit of cricket and get people together to do that so i mean you know credit to all the people who also support it. it's not just me who who, who does this and you know, the multiple national players who are also running their club units they also do the same you know the, the administrative part of it the coaching part of it and you're still playing for you're an active player at the highest uh, level in in germany so that's what i actually love about our national squad that people are so committed and you know I'm, I'm just one of those examples really so they're not just you know selfish and just oh, I'm going to play my game go back and can't be bothered I think everybody wants to drive the game forward and I think we're all trying to find the best ways to keep some sanity playing and uh, <laughs> developing the game so I guess rather than pressure it's just more excitement isn't it just living on the excitement of just trying to grow the game and get as many people involved because I saw as well that has the Bundesliga started now I saw it's expanded from nine teams to 15 teams starting in April. So I guess any day now. Yes, I think our first fixture, at least for us in the in the West region, is on the 1st of May. But right now we're still in, in lockdown. <laughs> so we haven't even gotten out as a as a team to, to train as yet. I'm hoping in the next three, four weeks we were able to do maybe in you know, small groups or so. But everything's dependent on the local government. So that's a bit of a setback. We in fact had to cancel the league last year because of the same, which is a bit of a setback, to be honest. But let's see, I think having seen that growth as, as you mentioned you know, two years ago we had nine teams in in 2019 and now we're 15 which is amazing so that speaks a lot for the work that many other clubs are doing and again previously just having had maybe under 19 boys or men's team and now they're all shifting a bit more focus into building new women's teams and kind of having people volunteer and help Yes, just tell us a little bit more about what the women's Bundesliga looks like in terms of those teams. Like, how has that kind of developed over the past couple of years, as you've just mentioned? Yeah, so at the moment, we've got four regions. Um, I mean, if you can kind of separate or differentiate. So we've got about three or four teams in the north. And I think two new teams have come up in the east. So that's three more teams in the east and about five or six in the southern part of Germany, so south and southwest, and about three teams in, in the West region. So we all play a regional league as such. And then the winners of each of these leagues then play a semi-final and a final for, for the Bundesliga. So I have to share you, the at 2013, which was the first year that I played the Bundesliga, was just three teams in all of Germany. So it was a West, North and a South team. So having seen that level of cricket and the number of people that they were to having 15 teams now which have each of their regional leagues that is amazing growth and you know it, it's wonderful what what the clubs have done and again the the german cricket board has you know, put a lot of 
emphasis on on growing the women's section and we've got a very able and uh, super enthusiastic women's officer at, at the German cricket board who's also the vice president of the board now uh, Monica Lapte and uh, she was a former player as well and I think you know we, we all say this and we're so proud that she's still very much involved and I think if it wasn't for Monica probably German women's cricket wouldn't come to this stage maybe in the last you know five six years and I think she does everything in her capacity to push for that and make sure that everything that we sort of demand in a way over and above that it's kind of met so I think we're all I'll say this on behalf of every female player in Germany I think uh, Monica is just like one of our biggest assets You've just set up for the next question perfectly because I was going to ask about Monica and how important it is to have women on boards. As you mentioned, you're on a board as well, but having those female voices at the top there must be so, I guess, refreshing as well because not everybody does have people fighting their corner. Yeah, no, that's true. And as much as you know, the, the people who've been on the board previously, I think they've always been supportive of women's cricket, but I think there have also been times where we've had to kind of challenge or question how some things are, are done in certain ways, just because that's been the norm for a long time. And having to change that kind of uh, perspectives and having somebody on your side. I mean, I mean, you know, she's not on the board just because she's female and she's, she's there because she's done some fantastic work and all of that is there to, to kind of vouch for her position there. And we'd, we'd love to see more people on the board making those decisions because you know, if you don't have that understanding and also that representation of you know genders on on your board i think it's hard and knowing that the women's sections you know growing really fast and i think the prospects are amazing so you've got to have smart people who've, who've got a vision and who know you know what direction to tear this and that's super important and, and i think as i mentioned for, for us monica's really are she's there championing for for women's cricket at the national level as well what does the development map look like for Germany? Are there plans to branch out so that there's more teams involved? And what are your plans for the structures? Yeah, so that's a good question. So we've, I think, at the league level, so what I mentioned, we've got these 15 teams that will be playing hardball cricket this year. And I think previously we've had a, an intermediate, like a performance group, uh, which played like a few games in, in the year and then finally the national team. So it's like a three-tier structure. But this intermediate performance group kind of you know went back and forth and then the organization having enough games, availability of players, all of that was a, was a bit of an issue over the last couple of years. So that kind of took a bit of a backseat. But we're really trying to push for that from this year on again because the gap between the quality of play at Bundesliga to what is expected of a national player has really grown over time. And I think now having had these T20I status come in, and so every game you play kind of counts for a lot more than just match experience. Because, you know, we've, we've been playing a lot of T20 games in, in the last 10 years that I can remember, but these were all like European T20 tournaments that was organized by countries hosted. I don't know, we, we played in Belgium, we played in Denmark, and we had about six or eight teams which came together. But it was all great fun, good experience. But I think with the, the new ICC status, it's it's just meant that we've got to really, you know, pull up our socks and play a better quality of cricket as well. So so to kind of feed into the national team, I think we really want to push a bit more for this performance intermediate structure or layer and probably have a few more league games for that. And it's also a bit of 
pathway for people to to kind of know what's the next step if you're a good Bundesliga player you know what what where do you go on to and how how do let's say your national captain or your national coach uh, recognize your performances and for anybody who aspires to play for the national team and wear that jersey it gives a bit more solid understanding of the levels expected we've had the under 23 group I think the last two three years but we're trying to get more younger groups, so perhaps under 19 this year. And hopefully, maybe in two, three years' time, we do have an under 19 national team. This is, in fact, part of been part of the group or the working committee that's put down a five-year strategic plan for the DCB along with the ICC, I think, in the last four or five months. So that should be out officially this month or next. And one of our key focus areas is really women's cricket. So I think there's there's a lot more work to be done, but I guess it might take a, maybe, you know, 48, 50 months, a couple of years to, for all of that to, to kind of show on a more palpable level. But it's super exciting time ahead. That's all much I can say for now. I, I guess it's a, it's a bit more effort to really get into schools and do those programs. But I know there's been a fair bit of work being done for like an entry level program, again, through, through the ICC and having more people go into schools and kind of pick that kind of talent and offer those opportunities as well. It's a lot more people that need to volunteer or perhaps even like be employed to do these tasks. But yeah, good, good times ahead. With regards to eligibility, mm-hmm. is, is there a specific qualification process like there is in England? For instance, to represent England, you have to either have a British parent or you have to have lived in the country for a minimum of three years. So is there a similar process in Germany? And if not, how does it all work? Yes, so we do have the, the criteria of one should have lived a minimum of three years qualified to play for the national team. And of course, you've got to be a, you know, able, a good, good player to, to be picked for, for the national squad. But apart from that, no, I think previously before, you know, the T20I status came in, I think we internally, there was, uh, I think, 18 months of living in Germany. And that's how I started to play in 2013 already. But now, yes, if you've got to play international games, it is three years of residency in, in Germany or you've got a German passport, for example, which is the majority of the group. I think there are probably three, four of us who maybe moved from other countries and chosen Germany as home. With the infrastructure as well, I saw that you've got 29 females going on the ECB ACO stage one. So could you tell us what that is? It was probably the first course where it was sort of solely aimed at getting female participants on the umpiring course. So we've had previously you know, uh, umpires who've, who've taken the level one or perhaps even the level two in the last two, three years. But I think this was, let's say, a bit more of a conscious effort to to get more girls to pick up the umpiring qualification and to kind of be able to stand maybe in, in, in other league games or so. This was very recently, I think maybe last month or so. I'm actually not aware if, if they've finished completely, but I know they had like a couple of modules, a couple of weekends with some assessments. And I think we've had three or four girls from our club who also took part in this. And it, it's amazing. And then, you know, how cool is it to have women umpire games? We see very few of them and I'm, I'm happy that internationally you're getting to see a lot more of them and they say what you see that visual representation kind of comes down trickles down to every every level of uh, cricket whether it's coaching or scoring or umpiring and you know all the officials involved so i think that's a good step Uh, we've got a few more i think courses for for scoring as well as uh, we're trying to push for some more level one and level two coaching 
courses to be done and hopefully have at least you know 50 50 male and female participants take part in that that'll be super cool has the new indoor national center been open yet i think it's ready to use but because we've been in lockdown for the longest time <laughs> we haven't been able to train there so we i think it opened in december officially it was kind of allowed to be used but we've actually been in lockdown since december so no we haven't we would have had our first indoor training session for the year in, i think end of january or so there were a couple of dates booked to to get women's team and i think also the men but no none of us have actually trained there but we played some i think we had a weekend of training in september last year at the outdoor pitches of the same facility so we've seen the two outdoor grounds it's nice lush not a grass wicket i think we you know i'm waiting for the day to have some nice proper turf it's in germany it might take some time but it's still one of the best facilities we've got and i think the indoor with nets and bowling machines and all of that would be cool as a performance center to gather together as a team because otherwise we we usually traveling so if we do we train once a month as a national unit and it depends where we've got a free available pitch if it's outdoor or a hall and we kind of travel wherever it's available so it could be in the south one month and somewhere in the northeast the other month so i think now having a a solid base or like a home for german cricket is cool and i think there are also talks to to have a couple more come up in the next years in different parts of the country so it's a bit more distributed so. 2020 was a big year for germany particularly yourself being one of only three players and the first female to take four wickets in four balls in a T20 international against Austria how does it feel to be one of those three players and the only female to have achieved this accomplishment the honest really weird but yeah i mean it, it's nice to look back and you know it's come a few months after that but it's a bit hysterical those those couple of days just with all the the media attention and everything kind of pouring in but it was a pretty cool moment i think i've watched a few few videos of it later played the games and things and so yeah i think looking back it was it was super cool and i'm happy that we kind of got to celebrate that as well while we were still on tour and you know after that boom everything was was shut again it's a nice feat to feel proud of and i think after having played for all these years and it's not like you take on the field wanting to make a record or you know wanting to set something like that but in the process if that happens then it's a, it's a welcome change and you know that that was just one of the records we had with multiple like really crazy figures from so many players that tournament so it was really I'm just so proud how how we all uh, performed as a unit and some of those individual performances that shone through so it's a great feeling yeah was it the hat trick ball you bowled as spin or was it the ball to take the fourth wicket either way what made you decide to bring yourself on as a spinner so in fact that whole game i i bowled spin so you know just looking at the players i mean we, it was was it the fourth game i think so so we had like three three games that already happened and you knew their batting order you knew how they played and i'm usually a medium pacer and it just made sense to really take the pace of the ball and I've done that before also in you know league games or in some other games also some international games before maybe like 14 15 just trying a few things out so so I knew I could control the ball well so it was really about just you know bowling wicket to wicket and putting a bit more pressure on the on the batters to score so yeah a bit of a tactical change but I don't know I can't remember how I bowled in the other other two three games of that series but it was just uh, good luck as well so I think it was three overs I bowled in the game and they were all slower or, or you know off spin as such it was just easier to control 
one minute of semen, one minute of spinner. Not many people can say that, you know, mixing up the variations. Literally, I'm like speechless now. I'm like, what? That's mad. Madness. Like, I know, but it's a bit bizarre when, when you have to explain this. You know, 20 years of bold a certain style and then your bold spin just is a bit of a variation or tactical change. And then you have a world record in that. It's like, I, I wish this was in my normal bowling style but I think it's a bit more quirky just to say hey that's not our bowl but I still managed to get uh, four and four <laughs> we'll leave it at that we spoke to Jenny Gunn as well and she's got um I don't know if you know her whiff ball where she's got her slow ball and she calls it the whiff and she says she hates bowling it but that variation it's that tactical like she gets wickets for it so no, it is. I think it is hard to bowl a slower ball. I think unless you're super confident and you've trained well enough and you know, you've, you've got a few in, in your kitty usually that you try. But if I'm doing my usual run up and whatever the pace and bowling a slow ball is hard. But this was just literally switching to a more spin style just with four steps coming in and trying to get a bit of you know wrist spin on. And I'm just so glad it worked. It could have really you know gone south. Yeah, no, I love it as well. Because, but do you ever find, because one of the biggest frustrations, and I'm sure you've seen this on Twitter, is generally men commenting on like the women's game when you see kind of videos of women bowling spin, commenting, oh, it's so slow, or oh, this is boring or whatever. But the point is to be slow. The point is to trick the batter into trying to like hit you, miss, and or hit you, but not get enough power behind it and get caught kind of thing. So does that ever frustrate you at all? No, not really. I think you you realize that, you know, people have opinions, they're whatever they want to say. Maybe they're a cricketer, maybe they're just a spectator. This happens to everybody. And on social media, you know, people just say whatever, you know, called keyboard warriors, as we say, but... I know you just you don't really think about it so much. I mean, there, there were a lot of comments as to, oh, you know, people come bad, people come bold. What sort of a record is this? And this should be against, I don't know, in Australia or in England or so. Okay, there are, you know, I understand the quality of cricket is not what you see with your top four teams, but, you know, that's, that's how it is. So you know, rather than just making some lame comments, I guess you've got to see how, how you could improve the situation for the quality that people play and who's involved. It's still an international game and that's, that's what it is. So no, I don't think it's it's just not wanting to engage in that con- kind of a conversation on social media. I think I just don't, I don't bother. Yeah, no, because it's just one of those things where I see those comments like, oh, it's so slow. And I'm like, well, duh, that is the point. Like it's meant to be slow because, you know, you're trying to get that variation out there to trick the batter. So yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? But we also saw on Twitter thinking about social media, we saw the tweet about the fielding positions and the language translation. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm not sure if all of our listeners would have seen that. Ah, yes. It's actually quite funny. We speak a fair bit of German, but also a lot of English uh, within the team. And I guess with the cricket having a lot of terminology in English, it's just hard to really find literal translation to things. So we're happy to go with whatever suits and whatever most people can follow. But I also remember a couple of years ago, during one of our training weekends, we kind of sat down and said, let's try and put all the fielding positions in in German. And this was hilarious. So I think some of us even have like a photo of it. So I'll tell you my favorite ones. So cow corner translates to ku ecke. And that's got to be my favorite. <laughs> and there's also gully, which is gasse in German. So like a narrow street or so. And slips is actually quite funny. So slips is uh, unterhose. Unterhose is like underclothes. So so it's hard. And I think there's a decke, which is cover. So it's like a cap, the literal translation. So there are quite a, quite a few quirky ones. But we, you know, we do. We don't really use that on the ground, but the hope is to kind of get a bit more German spoken uh, while, while we play. Just, I guess we all just go back to whatever's comfortable to, to communicate. But yeah, ku, ku eke is, is uh, my word, really. That's my favorite. 
What do you say for how is that? Oh, we still say how's that. <laughs> we don't really have a German account. Because did you see on our women's cricket chat Twitter, Roberta from Brazil, she'd been saying WhatsApp instead of how's that for the first bit of her career. So we were having a bit of a laugh about that with her, obviously not, you know. So yeah, we found that really funny and so did she. Yeah, I think I saw some tweets about it and, and she's quite active as well. She's quite an entertaining person. I do enjoy her tweets every now and then. <laughs> so no, no, we, I, don't, I don't think we do much of that in German. How's that is, is how's that? I think some, sometimes people just like you look at the empire, you probably won't even appeal if it's a very obvious one, but you still got to go for it. <laughs> so no, there's no, I don't think we've got, we found a proper German word for it. But when we do, I'll, I'll keep you posted. So you made your debut for Germany in 2013. So what was it like to make your debut? And you're also captain of Germany. So how did that come about? So 2013 was when, yeah, when, when I met the national squad for the first time and it, that was at a training weekend. I think it was over Easter, if I'm not wrong, in Berlin. And I was just super thrilled to, to be playing for the national team. You know, how often get, you get to represent a national side. So for me, it was a great opportunity and also to get to know the girls. And I think instantly connected with a you know, majority of them. And I love the whole group that the coaches, you know, Monica was still a part of the team, but she was also the manager. She was a player and the manager. I don't know how she did that, honestly. And the unit, some of the senior players, lots of youngsters as well. So that, that was a great training camp. I knew I wanted to hang on to that for as long as I could. And 2013, August was when we played the European tournament. This was hosted by Jersey that year. And maybe we had like four or five teams it would come along. And that was a super tournament. And it was just lovely to be able to play good level of cricket and kind of get to know the scene or the pulse across the continent, if I may say. And... I think since then it's it's been um, yeah for five six years on to I think playing those tournaments we only met twice a year back in the day so it was those training weekends over Easter or a longer bank holiday or so and then the European tournament in August mostly and you know we played in Denmark in um, Belgium uh, we hosted once in Berlin in 2014 so that went on for a while and 2017 was when I took up captaincy so our uh, previous captain was Steffi, Stephanie von Meyer, who's a gynecologist by profession. And uh, it was some big shoes to fill because I think she was the captain since the team was started. So she'd done a fair bit of work with the group and also happens to be one of my best mates in the team. So happy to kind of take on after. And it's been quite a journey since then, uh, five years. And I think we've, we've grown each year. There's more and more that we've kind of asked for as a team to to help the development of players, whether it's having more training weekends, having more tournaments. And as I mentioned earlier, with T20I status being confirmed to every international game that's played, just uh, really boosted the spirits for, for us as players as well. And to do better at an international stage and kind of to be at the helm of that and kind of representing the team as a captain, you know, I can be more proud and it's it's an honour and, and I love our team. It's like family away from family for me and you've mentioned Monica but are there any other former players as well because Alex and I were looking at the history of um, cricket in Germany and we, we think did the women's team start in the 1980s so do you know if any of those players still stay in touch and like is there much of a history kind of celebrated within Germany with the cricket team there I'm actually not aware of if the women's setup was there back you know as you mentioned maybe it was more with the with the men's because from what I've heard from the girls is that 2010 was the first time that they you know kind of gathered all of the girls together so it was Steffi and Monica I believe who kind of were 
at the back of this and said, hey, we've got to get a team together and let's see what comes out of it. We'll play some cricket with our neighbors in Europe. And so 2010 was the first time that, you know, it was officially a German women's national team. So I'm not aware of anything before that. I guess for, for Steffi and for Monica also, it's, you know, it's, I'm pretty sure they're super proud of how, how far the teams come. And there are probably a couple of other players. So there's another youngster, who I still call her a youngster, Milena. I think it was also, she was part of this 2010 team. And she's still playing currently. She's one of our, you know, off spinners upcoming. Maybe one or two other names. But some of them, you know, over time, they've chosen other parts, other jobs, professions. And somehow, I hope they didn't lose interest in cricket. But, uh, you know, uh, you've got different things in life and kind of drift away a little bit. But a majority of the people are still involved. If they, Even if they kind of step down from, from national team stuff, they still play a bit of club cricket, I suppose. So that's also something we want to look into. How, how do you retain former players, whether it's, you know, coming back to score a game or being involved with, with the performance group or so, something we, we do have at the back of our mind. So, yeah, sorry, I, I keep drifting away. I can talk about this for hours. Apologies. <laughs> I need to apologise whatsoever. That's like, this is what it's meant to be about. It's not about Alex and I, it's about yourself. So the more you talk, the better the podcast will be. But you touched on a few players there, but could you identify a few other players that we should be keeping an eye on and tell us a bit more about the makeup of the current squad? I don't know if I can really like just you know pick up one or two names. I think there's so many talented players in the team, quite a few youngsters. So we're we're, a, we're an interesting mix. I think we've got a few players who are 15. Who I think our youngest player is 15, Emma, the, one of our star bowlers as well. And I think the oldest in the team is probably 37, 38. It's a a wide age group and we've got a few who are probably just like finishing university or so. So average age, maybe 20 something. So let's put it that way. It just brings mine as well a bit uh, lower. And yeah, I think the majority of them have actually learned their cricket in Germany, which is fantastic. So as I said, you know, Steffi, she she picked up the sport through one of our English teachers who offered it at school. And she comes from like a, well, actually a beautiful town in the southern state of Bavaria. And then she was also, I think, involved in setting up the team in Munich, for example, that expanded. And you know, that's how the pool of players have come from these three or four let's say bigger cities as such who've had a bit of infrastructure to support that and they kind of made the national squad over time and now I think we've got a bit more let's say a pathway to to get on to to the top and yeah we've got for example our vice captain Tina she's half German half half English she's actually played a bit a fair bit of cricket I think back in Oxford she studied in Oxford also for Warwickshire if I'm not wrong we've got a couple of girls who um I think she's Australian yeah couple of Australians but again lived in Germany for I don't know the longest time and yeah that's about maybe 20-30% who as I mentioned are some of us expats who were uh, settled in Germany now and the others are local native Germans and I think we're uh, yeah we've got a good unit so we've progressed a fair bit from having to just pick people who are available for a tournament to play in August to really now people having specific roles in the team and kind of knowing what their path is to to get better in, in their skills. And it's also, I think, come to a stage where it's a bit of a healthy competition within the squad. So people really have to work for their spot in the team and that kind of pushes you to do better. Yeah, that's more or less. Because you asked for a few few more upcoming or interesting players. So I, I would say uh, Tina, Janet. So both of them uh, opened our batting innings in, in Austria. And I think they scored uh, hundreds, which was amazing. It was great to watch. And we've got uh, Emma, who's the youngest, as I mentioned. Um, 
She, she, so we've got Milena, we've got Anna, who are based in uh, Freiburg, also in the south of Germany. I think Anna only picked up cricket. She's a rugby player, so a bit of a crossover coming into cricket, but she picked up super fast. She's one of our all-rounders, one of our best uh, fielders as well. And we've got Susie, we've got Paris. So Paris is a, she's got a son who's about four or five years old, super cute. We've got Bianca, who's also, I think, recently had a, had a child, so we really looking for her to come back and train with us and play as before. So we've got really like a mix of people in different professions. And we always joke that we're probably the, the most qualified national team in the world in any sport because everybody's got a bachelor's, we've got a couple of PhDs, doctors, really like mad professions. We've got teachers in the team. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very quirky bunch of people, just to put it mildly. <laughs> Thinking of the summer ahead, so hopefully these pictures will be going on, but you've got a series with France. So Mm -hmm. are you looking forward to that? Oh, yes, really looking forward to that. So we've played France maybe three, the last we faced each other was probably 2017 at one of these European championships. And I'm actually keen to see how how their team looks now. And I'm sure there'll be some familiar faces and, you know, a bit of a chat on that. So that's going to be interesting. That'll be, I think that's scheduled for July. In fact, we were to host uh, Brazil in summer, but I guess because of the travel and COVID, just playing spoiled sport, we've had to kind of put that away for a bit. Hopefully next year, either, either we go over, they, they come down. I think we've had this uh, chat for a while now. Apart from that, we've got a World Cup qualifier in August. So that's our big tournament coming up. And we're just so pumped. And, you know, despite how last year has been, or even this year with um, not having enough chances to get together as a team to, and to train often or, or play our domestic league last year, I think we're, we're really trying to do everything in our capacity, still, you know, abiding by the rules, but to get as much training as possible. And the girls have actually really worked hard on their fitness. And we still meet twice a week on Zoom sessions and we do our fitness together. So I think we're all going to be a fitter unit, if not anything. And uh, trying to, you know, play a bit of cricket in your backyard, in your garage and having a plan, working towards what skills you want to develop and all of that. So we're, we're having a lot more discussions, a bit more, you know, game plans, how we go about the oppositions we take on. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that the, the tables will look different from what it did two years ago when, when we played the qualifier for the first time. So super excited what, uh, what sort of a show we'll, we'll put out for everybody to see. As long as hopefully it doesn't get affected by COVID, the 26th to the 30th of August 2021. So unfortunately, I'm getting married that weekend, so I won't be able to come up and cheer you guys on. But you are playing, you'll be playing France, Ireland, Netherlands, Scotland and Turkey. So it's quite a tough group. But if you get through that, it's a really exciting journey, isn't it? Definitely. And um, I think it's the first time we'll also face Turkey, most likely. We've yeah, we don't know so much about them. So that'll be exciting. Scotland and Netherlands, we've played before a few years ago. And those are some tough matches. But, you know, we've learned a lot from that. And, you know, we've, as I mentioned, we're working towards how we take on those oppositions again. And, you know, our side looks fairly different to what it was two years ago. So that'll be nice to see how we get on. And Ireland will be super interesting. So it's probably the first time that we play a full member nation so that's going to be something to look forward to. And yeah, it, it is a tough group, no doubt. But I think we're confident of how we've trained and what we're capable of. And you try and do better than what you did yesterday. So, you know, it's all a learning experience. And as I said, you know, we're, I think we'd, we'd like to surprise a few people who, who are going to be watching this game as to how much we've improved over the last couple of years. 
And hopefully you do get that match in with Brazil because I think that'll be perfect preparation. I also saw you put your name in the hat for the Fairbreak Global Competition in 2022. So are you looking forward to getting involved with that? And what does it mean to you to be kind of a fair breaker? That's a good point you made. So I think it was two years ago when they when they got in touch and Stephanie has played for them, I think, in one of the tournaments and she was like a German representative. And uh, I mean, I was a bit bummed that two years ago I couldn't get involved because I was down with, with the back uh, injury and surgery and all of that. So I, I even didn't play in the qualifier two years ago, which was just probably one of the most uh, heartbreaking things. Like that whole half year was pretty yeah sad in a way. So I, I did miss out on a few opportunities. So I, I would have hoped to have been involved with Fairbreak back then. But, you know, we've, we've been in touch with, with a couple of them over, over the last year or so. And I think it's a great initiative. And I think Sean, with his contacts... I think network and kind of pushing for for this invitational tournament and now that it's also ICC sanctioned this is fantastic so it's a great opportunity for I think associate players to kind of be playing in the same team as some of the, the big names that you you know you watch on TV and you're like oh you know I wish I had the chance to play with them the, the things you always you know, talk about so it's just a great opportunity and I'm sure anybody who will be involved in that tournament as a player as an official there's so much to gain from it and yeah I think also the underlying message in terms of gender equity and equal opportunities I think that's something we all you know you you kind of champion for it every day in your own way and doing that through sport it's a fantastic initiative and you know all our support and I think as, as you know, we, we were recently also part of this captain's cause that they did along with Solar Buddy to, to kind of try and illuminate lives of people who are in energy poverty so we said hey you know we're happy to get on board and kind of support in whatever way we can so when you see like the purpose behind any of these kind of activities and events and it's got more than just cricket involved we're always happy to jump on board so I think this 2022 event in Hong Kong is going to be quite a, a game changer I'd say um, this is probably on the likes of every other big uh, leagues that's happening across the world so I'd love to be part of it as a, as a player I really hope you are because yeah it looks phenomenal so yeah I think that's a really good place to wrap up now but it's just amazing to hear about cricket in Germany because it's something that we don't get to hear too often here so it's great to just hear your story hear about all the amazing work that's being done but before we do conclude Alex has got some very quick fire questions for you oh my god I'm pathetic at stuff like this like don't even (laughs) worry even the legendary Charlotte Edwards struggled in this part of the um, podcast so (laughs) okay favorite genre of music oh that's a tough one that kind of go but uh between soul and blues a bit of pop every now and then but yeah uh, blues I'd go with blues favorite musician or musical artist currently Adele yeah. last book you read I think the last one I read was The Elephant Whisperer by Lawrence Anthony beautiful book about elephant conversation uh, conservation in, uh, in South Africa yeah that's the last book I read favorite place you've played oh that's a really tough one that's a really tough one. Favorite place that I've played in. I'd, I'd actually pick like a few of the, a couple of the really scenic grounds in and around Newcastle. I'd probably go either for Corbridge or Hexham just because the, the views are amazing. Favorite cricket ground you've played at? Favorite cricket ground I've played at? I've actually not played at any of the like super big venues. But I have played at the Tennis Stadium in Bangalore. I mean, that was like home ground for, for some time, so probably yeah the, the more popular international venue last tv show you binge watched i'm a bit embarrassed to say this so 
I was late to the party. I watched every season of Grey's Anatomy last year. I don't know, late last year. And I was like, wow. But I'll tell you the favorite show I watched. And I've, I've gone back and rewatched so many times. So I don't know if that's really like binge watch. It's Fleabag. Oh my God. What an amazing show. That's hilarious. I think it's one of my top favorite shows ever. This one no. is Hannah's favorite. And it is Favorite Sledge. Oh, I'm, I'm actually not somebody who sledges that much. No, couldn't give you any. Ready. Or perhaps I think getting on with the game. <laughs> so I don't really manage to. Bummer. What, what's your favorite? one that's been said. I don't really know. So Hannah's one is Big Swing, No Ding. I like Why You Chirping Now, Mate, Not Getting Any Wickets. That... Oh, yeah, that is a good one from. Was that Mitchell Johnson? Yeah. Who was that? No, sorry, I don't have any anyone yeah, to. So that's my favorite. Can we just bring in um, Roberta's favourite one out? So Roberta's favourite one was when she went to watch a game and an 11-year-old girl said something along the lines of, you've got more dots than a Dalmatian. That is nasty, but it's a good one. Hannah, have you got any burning questions for Anurada or uh, No, I think you've done quite a good job there, Alex. You've got quite a lot out of her there. I'm trying to think. I can't think of any... No. Yeah, I'm stumped. I'm stumped. I've never stumped her on the podcast before, so this is a first. Okay. Just quickly, Anurada, where can our listeners find you on social media and where can they find the women's German cricket team, perhaps, if they want to follow their journey? Yeah, so we, we're on, uh, so we're called the Golden Eagles. That's the name of the German women's team. So it was probably two, three years ago that we kind of put a bit more effort into, you know, branding and getting more active on social media. And you can follow the team on, I think it's German women's cricket or the the Golden Eagles, one of the two, uh, on Twitter and Golden Eagles on Facebook, Golden Eagles DE, if I'm not wrong, on Instagram. And personally, I am, I'm on Twitter as Anuradha underscore D underscore 18. What's my uh, Instagram handle? Anu uh, dot dot Balapur. That's on uh, on Instagram. Not super active on Facebook, but yeah, Instagram and Twitter a bit more favoured at the moment. I uh, hope everything goes well with research and cricket, and yeah, stay in touch. I'm sure we'll speak again very soon. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me, and also for your time. I really enjoyed that chat, and uh, definitely we'll stay in touch and see where where it takes us next. Huh? Massive thank you to Anurada for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. It's amazing how she manages to fit everything into a 24-hour day with everything she's got going on. And we wish them all the luck for the rest of 2021 and hopefully they go well in their qualification process. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat and on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. And if you wanted to give our personal Twitters a follow, Hannah is at Hannity1194 and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Thank you.